Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 2, Episode 12. Today we are discussing The Last Argument of Kings by Joe Abercrombie and the entire First Law Trilogy, and we're really excited to have a special guest with us this evening. So welcome Heather from Book Hooked Heather on Instagram. If you want to introduce yourself and anything you want to share with, with our listeners. <laughs> As I tell your post-war story, i.e. How Leanna got you to read this? I mean, how <laughs> you got drafted? I mean, I feel like friendship with you means getting drafted into reading. Abercrombie. I think I said that in a video recently. That was like, to be my friend is to be coerced into reading first love. It's kind of true. And we usually agree on some, like we have similar tastes, especially in fantasy and have like similar expectations. And you were like, if you have these expectations, you're going to love this. And I think I put it off for so long because I was like afraid of what happened if I didn't like it. Friendship um, saved. I, yeah. <laughs> but then I like slowly collected. And then a couple months ago, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it now. I am in a good headspace for long fantasy. And when I first started reading it, I like the first book, I was turned off a little bit. And you were like, try the audio and just push through that beginning part. And then once I did, I was like, this is the most genius trilogy I've ever read. And the audio books are just amazing. I was gonna say our friendship did have a little rocky moment there when I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And I was like, okay, but like, but but a little longer, just just try a little a little more. You will yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Pacey's amazing, though. He's such a yeah. good narrator. Yeah. The audio well, I mean, it's a little cool. bit like a one man play. It is yeah. like the voices. I'm just I'm so impressed. And he said before that it's kind of like a dream, like that it's kind of a dream gig for an actor to get to play every character because he was like, you know, yes, you know, you get to play characters that you might get cast for, but I would never get cast as Artie or Pharaoh and I get to play them too. So it's like, as an actor to just get to cool. do them all. Yeah. And he just like characterizes them in such a great way that you can't help but root for them, which I think was missing when I was just like reading the text on its own. Because then when I went back to read it after hearing those characters in my head, it, it made me feel for them. Like he made me feel so much for these for these characters. Well, so. even Joe Abercrombie has yeah. said that like he hears the character voices the way that Pacey writes them now. I love like, that. That's them. amazing. So, like the French accent for Pharaoh. Like he did not imagine her to be French until he heard Pacey and then forever after she was French in his mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Okay, so as we've done with other episodes, we will do a little bit of a non-spoiler section before we hop into trilogy spoilers. I guess overall thoughts on this. Heather, I think this is your first time reading this, yes? Yeah. Okay. I was say we have like a bit of a variety. So Bethany's first time rereading it. This was my first Heather read. first time reading it. And my, well, let's not count how many. <laughs> <laughs> many, many times. So thoughts. I guess, Heather, you're like the one who's like, this is your first time. So how, how did you get on with this? Non-spoilers, but like. Non-spoilery. You know, it was interesting. I was telling Leanna that like, I thought it was going to be a lot darker than like, I thought that like the last book was going to be a lot darker but in some ways, there are these brilliant moments where it's like just a mundane kind of ending that feels like so real. And, yeah. you know, Logan has that repeated line that's like, you have to be realistic about these things. And I feel like this ending is as realistic as the whole series has been. There are like just moments where you're expecting something fantastical or big. And then just like, it's a mundane kind of feeling, which is not a criticism at all. I think that that's actually really brilliant. And I just thought it was just amazing seeing how all of these characters kind of came full circle 
And there was a circular narrative to like the way that he circular storytelling to the way that he did things that I thought was just really amazing that I think you can only do if you write like he does, where you write out all the three books all together. Cause mm -hmm. you really see like, once you finish it, you're like, Oh, I saw where that was all going. So it was a, it Although, was a fun. Even with the, the standalones, like he just has a habit of having characters end up where they started. Like he right. likes doing that. So like in a trilogy that will take three books in a standalone, it takes one book, but like his characters, like no matter what they do, no matter how they try, they end up pretty much right back where they started. Right. <laughs> and there are the changes, but they're, they're very small. Like there is character growth, but mm -hmm. it's not the kind that we're used to seeing in a lot of fantasy, you know, this like big moral <laughs> Or well, even yeah. they, even the ones that perhaps end up in a different like like outwardly, you know, like their situation, their position, their title, whatever, like if that changes, but like their role in it and who they are to it, like who they are is still right back where they started. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is still, at least at this point, probably my favorite book of the trilogy. Mm. But it was it was interesting rereading because there were things that I had forgotten or maybe like didn't totally put together the first time that I read it. So it was still like there were still some things that I was like, oh, <laughs> I had forgotten that thing. Um, so it was, it just was in general, I think that's how, like what I titled one of the thumbnails like for my review for this book is that this is the one that makes you go, oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> because like the entire book is you like, oh, 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 and he is, oh, and all this time, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like prefer the second one. I think the second one is, as a first read through, the second mm -hmm. one's actually my favorite. That's funny because, like, I agree with Bethany that the third one was my favorite the first time through, but now that I've reread it a whole bunch, the second one is my favorite. That's so interesting. I just think it's really fun. Like, it's one of those that I really love those, like, journey books when characters go on a journey. Whereas, like, I would say that the, third book is the war book and I've talked a lot about how this is like an anti Lord of the Rings and so like the first book you get like the gathering and then the second mm -hmm. book is the journey and then the third book is the war and I really love journeys like I love that and so and I loved what he does with it with your expectations with the characters and like seeing them all in play and I think that when they go on that journey they, they learn a lot of things about themselves. That's where you see the micro changes. And then in the third book is when it's like, can the changes be sustained back in real mm -hmm. life? And that's mm -hmm. kind of the question the third book asks. Sometimes the answer is no. <laughs> changes Most cannot. of the time, the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of almost like the, you know, you go on, if you go on like a wellness retreat and you're like, I'm going to be healthy like this. And when I come and absolutely not. <laughs> and, like, and you see that every single one of the characters in the journey was like, when I get back, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. We're yeah. going to live this life. And then it gets tested and it, none of it can be sustained. And I was like waiting for that moment in the third book. And I was like, this is too real. It's hurting me. <laughs> You know what? That's it's so interesting because I think that's why the middle book is my least favorite is because I don't really like journey books. And so <laughs> I was like, I almost started laughing when Heather was like, I love journey books. I love and I'm like, like, the opposite of Bethany. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, like, it's like that's like one of my least favorite things to read in fantasy. And so I'm like, I love Glockta's sections in book two, but the rest of it I'm like, okay, like, yes, this is which this is was our whole last episode was me being like yeah, a lot of interesting character development happens. I just don't, 
I don't like being on journeys. So, but it's great. <laughs> like if you like journey books, then like before they're hanged, it's fabulous. So yeah, the whole last episode was me being like, and this is so good about it and so interesting about it. And he's like, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I don't feel that way. <laughs> Well, and I love though, I think, I think again, like Abercrombie is like, if you are patient with his books, you get those like major rewards, even if they're not like the usual big fantasy stuff, but like, can I do spoilers? No, I can't do spoilers for the not yet. end of the We'll, get, we'll get there. Okay, <laughs> off on that opinion. We'll have, again, we'll have lots of spoiler chats too, but yeah. I think it's just that like he sets you up for all of these expectations and then it's just like the way that he either like uses those expectations plays into them or doesn't is just really interesting so he takes you on the journey but he's doing mm -hmm. some really interesting things that you don't see and and at least the, the fantasy that I've read so well, every time he did something else brilliant than I would have written it down. So when you said that this is like an anti-Lord of the Rings, like you couldn't be more spot on because he basically has said that that was his intention is to write like a deconstruction of the yes. traditional like fantasy yeah. arc, yeah. which like Lord of the Rings is like the granddaddy of oh, all yeah. like, so like that is the template that he is now shitting on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole, the whole first law is like an anti-gathering of the fellowship. Like, you know, Baez mm -hmm. is going, the old wizard is going around collecting all of the people and everyone's like, oh, I really don't want to go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but like, not just in terms, so like uh, the more like obvious like way that he's, you know, subverted the Lord of the Rings kind of thing is to be, okay, we're going to make everyone terrible and we're going to make right. things unsuccessful and we're going to whatever. But like, he has also like the time that he really talked about when he brought up it being the anti-Lord of the Rings was not actually to do with the characters being awful or the quests being, you know, dark and grim. It was more to do with the storytelling itself because of like mm -hmm. how people talk about how this trilogy feels meandering. It feels directionless. Right. Like, where is any of this going? Why haven't you told me anything? And how he was interested in telling it in a different like noir style where you start in different right. places and you don't know what's happening. And he like very specifically brought up that he didn't want to tell it like Lord of the Rings where Gandalf shows up and is like, well, my boy, this is what we're going <laughs> to do. And then we yeah. do the thing and then we're done. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's what I was gonna say about the second book, because that second book, you really do get that where you think you're working towards something, and then, but yeah, but it's maybe not what you thought it was. But the mm -hmm. way that a traditional yeah. story like Lord of the Rings will like clearly lay out for you, like right. here is the quest. I am the old right. wizard, and I'm here to tell you that this is the bad thing, and this is our goal to defeat mm -hmm. it, and then we're gonna do the thing. Versus like the plate itself, everyone is like, I okay, I think I know who these people are now, but also like what is any of this and why is any of this mm -hmm. <laughs> no one has shown up to be like this is our quest <laughs> i wonder if he's done if, maybe you probably know the answer like but if he reads a lot of like arthurian legends because like the original arthurian texts are very meandering where mm -hmm. they go on one quest but it's not really what they thought it was and so i wonder if he reads any of that and gets any of that because i think that like once in future king which is a more recent there are elements of that book, but I wonder if he's ever gone and read like medieval, like King Arthur stuff. Cause well, I know more... he's a big fan of like history in general, but he tends to be yeah. in terms of what he speaks about. He's very fascinated by the American civil war and mm, he's very yeah. fascinated by like Machiavellian politics. And he's fascinated yeah. by like the city States of Italy. And that's more what he's see talked about. But... A lot of that kind of woven in here oh, in different yeah. things that happen, which is and even so more so specifically like the fighting city states is mm -hmm. like totally the inspiration for Best of oh. Gold. Okay. 
Interesting. And I think that he, that's what one thing that he does really well is he creates these like political worlds that are easy to understand. Like sometimes I feel like when people are doing it, some it's like inconsistent and it can become like nonsense mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes, but he does like a really great job. Like I'm reading the Poppy War, which is similar, but because like you, the, the, the narrator of the Poppy War, like the main character is like just as confused about the world or like doesn't really get the politics. It's like yeah. a little confusing, but all of his characters, like I think having Glocka there is really interesting. I was going to say like, if you only had the story yeah. told to you by Giselle, you'd probably feel pretty yeah. lost. Right, so. right. <laughs> so like the way you're like, what's happening? Yeah. So I just love Glocka so much. And I love his character arc. Like it just like, I his end ending makes me happy. Well, I like noted it. I didn't note exactly his phrasing, but I noted it to bring up that like I'd forgotten he literally says this because I talked about how The Last Argument of Kings was my favorite book the first time because that's when you get the payoff. That's when you find all these things out. And yeah. You're like, oh my it's goodness. You read, you know, that's not that interesting anymore. I know the answers. So I'm, like yeah. getting the answers. I'm like, yeah, no, I know. But Glockta literally has a line in Last Argument of Kings where he's like, he's getting some answers. And he's like, mm, but answers are boring. It's the questions that are really interesting. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then again, I think that is like what I was trying to say about the mundane parts is that when you get the answers, they weren't as fantastical as I thought that they were going to be. But again, that's not a criticism because I think mm-hmm. it's brilliant. <laughs> because I think well, that's, that's where pretty- again, I mean, I think that's what yeah. Glockta's line is getting at the whole like, yeah. the enticingness of the mystery box you know as jj abrams put it like that's mm-hmm. so exciting because it could it's infinite possibility of what the answer right. might be is it this is it this and when you get the answer you're like yeah i mean that yeah that checks out that's yep, yep i guess that's mm-hmm. yeah great now i know <laughs> <laughs> okay uh do we have anything else we want to talk about that is not spoilery no. I think we're all eager for spoilers. <laughs> okay, let's, we're going to officially move into spoilers. I just have to say, I am like so team Glockta and Artie. I just love them together so much and it makes me really happy. And I, I don't know, it's like the most unexpected thing, but it's so cute. And I love her whole thing of how she's like, no one gets what they deserve. And I was like, it's true. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. I just Also I that it. she's like, I want to feel useful. Yeah. But like when she when they when she's saying I'm gonna make the best of this, she's not like, I remember how handsome you were and I see the man underneath right. and I follow it. It's nothing like that. She's just like, look, we get on mm-hmm. and you've always treated me right. And um I can be useful and that makes me feel good. So yeah. this can make me happy in its own way. And they'll yeah. have a good life. Like yeah. he's gonna be healthy and in and he's powerful. gonna take care of her, like he's gonna make sure that no one talks shit about her. And like mm-hmm. after all that she's been through, I mean that's such a relief to not yeah. like, also, Glockta telling Giselle, oh, I'm, me- I'm recently married. I think you know the lady. R.D. Honestly, <laughs> He's oh, like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's such a good, it's such a satisfying moment. Oh, man. I just hate be- Giselle so much in the first book. Like, to have that yeah. kind of. But also, like, <laughs> even though you've come to kind of like Giselle, Glockta mm-hmm. still hates Giselle. <laughs> so he's oh. like, oh, look who I'm married. Well, and I think, like, on Artie's behalf, I'm like, yeah, you were kind of awful to her and i love i I really i mean i know i keep saying this i wish Artie had been a pov character because i just find her to be so interesting yeah it's fine but i think that was one of again those things that was like you know giselle has all of these ideas about who he's gonna be you know when he gets back from his journey he's gonna love Artie, and then we see that play out and it can't Mm -hmm. be sustained like their love can't be sustained and even if he didn't end up as king 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's not really believable that they would have ended up ended up together. Well, like, I can believe, you know, because he initially yeah. is like, I'm going to, you know, get out of the army. And like, he's like di- fully committed he to this He probably decision. would have, I feel like. But I feel like, so like the thing that couldn't have been sustained would be happiness. Like he would have yeah. like just, just willfully, just like flippantly been like, I'm going to marry her. And then he would have yeah. done it and it instantly regretted it. And they would have hated each other. And yeah. it would have been terrible. That's, I mean, yeah. that's accurate. Because it's like he, and I think it goes to show that when you're on these journeys, you create these things on a pedestal. You create a fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then this book is like, but the fantasy can't be sustained in reality. Like, that's kind of what this book forces you to look at. Well, and even, like, Giselle even has that moment when, like, he comes back and he's faced with Artie and she's drunk yeah. and she's rude. And he's like, this is not the Artie that I was dreaming yeah. about while I was on my quest. But she was all, she was always like that. Like, it wasn't really anything different. She was always that. He just, like, had this idealized idea of her. Well, and I think what's interesting with him, too, is he you know, he comes back and he's like, I'm changed. I'm going to like take Logan's advice and like all these things. But like the second that people start like elevating him, even when he knows he doesn't deserve it, he's like, well, I'll take those accolades. Sure. I'm like, well, oh, yeah. the, There's a very fast bite, biting him in the ass turnaround for him being like when he instantly gets the promotion, oh, he's like, well, yes. I did the suffering. I may as well take that may promotion. Well take- <laughs> and then like two seconds later, like, great. Now that means you get to take care of this like yeah. uprising and he's like i can't get out of it now because i he's just like said why yes to this. why didn't oh, i no. just get out when i could have gotten <laughs> out yeah oh gosh like reading i remember i would like message liana liana every time like giselle's like would come on because i was just laughing so hard at his like process it's <laughs> oh, <laughs> like inner monologue was just cracking me uh, up but if uh, anyone can be yeah. said to have changed long term at all it is giselle yeah, like he sure. is different yeah. than he was when he left. He is. It's true. Well, and you do, and I think that that's what saves his character in the end. That even though he's not like strong enough to come up to like hold his own against all of the bigger players, like you do see that desire to want to make a better world for like his people. Like you see him out there rebuilding, and like, and I think that's what like kind of saves him against like his other kinds of cowardice. The fact mm-hmm. that he does really, <laughs> even though he's the, and I said this too that like. He's the idealist. Like, I'm an idealist. Like, I can be an idealist about what I want to happen in reality. And I, like, identify with that a little bit. <laughs> well, he's just, he retains, like, this insane amount of naivete. Like, mm-hmm. yes. he, yeah. like, in terms of his own position, and it's like, well, I'm king now. And you're like, okay, but, like, do you seriously think that you're king? Like, yeah. you better than anyone know that Baez is Baez. And that he's, like, mouths off to Baez and is like, I'm the king and I will fix this country. And then as soon as Baez says he's leaving, it's like, great, now I can be in charge of the country. I'm like, sir, do you really think that? Like, you're not the brightest bulb, are you? No. 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 And, like, Baez's character, I think, was really interesting. Because in the first book, I thought he was, like, this Gandalf character where he's, like, all He is the (laughs) anti-Gandalf. He is. And, like, by the third book, like, I, you know, the whole third book, I was waiting for this, like, wizard moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This, like, moment. And then, like, you realize that he's just an evil politician. And it is, again, like, this, again, the fantastical made mundane. Like, he just has a lot of money. And he's been, like, puppet stringing for centuries. And it was just, like, one of those moments that was, like, oh, man, like, Baez, I I, I don't know. Yeah. He doesn't, he's not, he doesn't get his comeuppance. Like, he doesn't ever learn anything. He's just, like. Nope. Well, the thesis, if there is one of the first laws that makes right in the banks are evil. 
Yeah. And like it, it basically is a criticism of capitalism that like really we live in an oligarchy, right? That it's like money mm-hmm. that rules the well, world. It's not just bias that says it. Glockta also yeah. laughs at the idea of like people having a say in their own fate. Like people don't want to decide. People want to be told what to do. Like even Glockta mm-hmm. thinks that. Yeah. Well, because like the the way it's left, like that concept of democracy is kind of laughed at. Of like, no, like people don't actually want that. Like, yeah, they just want you to tell them what they need to do, and it's those yeah. sheeple. Yeah, it's like all taken care of. <laughs> Yeah. Like everything's taken care of. No need to, like, he's the real king. No need to look further into it. Just like believe this fantasy and it's all good. Your yeah. Life yeah. <sighs> Another scene I thought was really satisfying was when West finds out he's been made Lord Marshal. <laughs> yeah. Well, even before that, his, uh, like the way he handled like Burr being sick and like trying to navigate that. Mm-hmm. And then when he has to navigate, those guys now being two guys like, yes oh, so genius it was so smart like pitting them against each other <laughs> <laughs> it's like what does that say about me <laughs> well then it keeps coming up too when he like when he realizes he's been promoted and part mm-hmm. of the reason that he got promoted is the chain reaction of like the princes both died therefore we needed a new one and mm-hmm. that new one happened to be my friend and he promoted yeah. me right and it's like i if i hadn't killed the prince i wouldn't yeah. have been promoted <laughs> well and the fact that he's like it's also a friend that like i don't even like very much and even giselle doesn't like him very much but he's like a name that i recognize right he, he will like, be my lord this Marshall. is where i'm going to stand this is it yeah and then like the way that he dies at the end again it's like not some like glorious battle scene it's like an illness and that's it and even him and and guacta they have a conversation about how like the young men who die in the battlefield they might be the lucky ones instead of the ones that come home and like get wounded and grow old and get sick and like fall apart and have to watch themselves fall apart he's like they get to die young in glory and never grow old they're the lucky ones yeah and then, like, and I think that there's this idea of like it gives death a meaning, even though like in the moment of war, like nobody feels that way. But it's like the story people tell of you, right? And like West, I think feels that acutely when he's dying of this illness. It, like in in his head, it just would have been better instead of like dying slowly and awfully. God, it was so bad. I was gonna say, I guess the yeah. one thing about dying on the battlefield that would be like objectively better is that it would be fast. You know, in theory, like yeah. as long as you're not like wounded yeah. and slowly dying of a putrefying wound, because that would be equally terrible. Yeah. But I mean, if you just yeah. like got like mat, like your neck hacked off and you're just like pretty much dead, like that would be way faster than slowly falling apart. Right. And it's like the narratives we tell about that death too, of it like preserving some sense of like freedom or defeating the enemy, and like West doesn't get any of that. It's like this mysterious mysterious illness that we know where it's coming from, but like nobody else really does. And well, also the I mean, it's parallels Glockta in terms of like he was basically a war hero. Like he is, and if right. he had just died in that blaze of glory, you know, he would have been remembered as this amazing. And even Ladislaw, before you know he gets killed by West, he's like you know talking about this great epic hero Sandan Glockta. Shane, he's dead. And West is like, he's not dead. He joined the Inquisition. Yeah. He's like, oh, what? And then like five minutes later, he's like, Shane, he's dead. Because he's like still on the, like, he can't accept the idea that he's alive like he and that yeah. he's crippled. Right. Oh, man. Stylistically, I really liked the chapter where he has like echoing lines leading to oh, the different perspectives. Yes. Like that was yes. really cool. 
Yes. So I talked about this in my like year of Abercrombie video where I just like talked about reading all the books in one year and how they compare and like re-ranked them or whatever. I bring it up because that specific thing without spoilers and vaguely in that video is like the way that like he takes what works and what doesn't work and learns his lessons from like the original trilogy and still experiments with now new and different narrative structures and then like perfects the ones that did work. So like just because people found this meandering doesn't mean he was like, okay, so I have to tell very traditional stories now. He absolutely mm -hmm. not. And that specific thing where I was like, the way that he weaves together perspectives, I was like, okay, that could describe any fantasy book with multiple perspectives. But mm -hmm. the way he weaves together perspectives, <laughs> and if you've read it, you know what I mean, that the way yeah. he does that, he like hones that and hones that until the Age of Madness trilogy. He does it in like, it's like Olympic level that where like wow this is like the early version of that so like reading it now i'm like oh this was like this is like little league version of our <laughs> doing that <laughs> yeah, i'm really excited to keep going me too he's so good yeah like stylistically i think it's just uh, it's like funny it's mm -hmm. great so like well written it's like all the things yeah <laughs> all the emotions there are moments that were like super like emotionally real too. Like when some of the Northmen would die, I would be like sobbing. I mean, even West dying, I think is quite sad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And also the very first, well, now this was your first time, but like the very first time that Glockta goes to see Artie and you don't know what for. Oh yeah, and it turns into a proposal. Now every time I read it, I'm just like, oh yeah, this is I love I love that scene. That's great, <laughs> and it's yeah. great too because like unlike other books where like a fake out works the first time, but you mm -hmm. go back to read it, you're like, that doesn't actually make sense though. Yeah. If that's actually what's happening, whereas this like it completely it, it still completely makes sense. still makes sense. Yeah, because mm -hmm. well, because of who he is, mm -hmm. and that like he kind of had two. Tr options right yeah but also the fact that problem. like the way that he's thinking about what he's gonna do he's mm -hmm. at no point lying to the reader like yeah that right. doesn't he's very honest it's just intentionally saying it just slightly vague enough to where like you're obviously gonna jump to the worst conclusion because it's Glocka. right right and i think too when it's already been like established as his character that he likes to save women too like it's not like so out of character mm -hmm. because he saves that one woman but also that's why going yeah. into the Artie thing, because he's made a big point of to himself thinking, oh, I should not have been merciful to Ida. Yeah. And like, I need to never, ever do that again. So now he's presented with the opportunity to correct that mistake with Artie. And you're like, well, I mean, he learned his like, lesson. Yeah. He's definitely not going to be merciful this time. And then you're like, bam, yeah. proposal. <laughs> right. Well, I think, but also it's like, it makes me think that West trying to reach out after he came back even if his mom turned him away like i think that meant a lot to him you know oh, and yeah. it seems like he really values that kind of loyalty because he doesn't really get it much yeah. and so well, he often thinks to himself about west being like he had no friends and then he realized that actually he still had one friend yeah that he has rekindled that friendship with and now he's already gone so he's yeah. like my one friend right <laughs> It's like the, the least I can do is try to protect his sister. And yeah. But they also like genuinely developed they a like good each rapport other too. Yeah. While, while he was looking after her as a favorite of West. <laughs> but then actually like all the times he talks to her, it's again, it's not this like romance novel thing of like, and she's actually so beautiful. Too bad she will never love me. He's more right. just like, well, she doesn't look at me in utter disgust. That's yeah. refreshing. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's also really trying hard to convince her though. And she's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, why not? She literally takes the ring from him and is like, Yep, couldn't you find a bigger one? 
courtesy yeah. of Valentin Balk. <laughs> oh man. It would have been interesting too to have like her perspective because like it wasn't this like sad thing of why I mean her story like had its tragic moments, but like sometimes mm-hmm. when that happens, it's like it, it's like too much of like the Les Miserables tragedy. It's like <laughs> when like you see that in some things. So I like the way that like her character plays out and yeah. And how strong she is, too. And, I like her, yeah. too. I do wish we had her perspective, because I just think she it would be so interesting to be inside her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we get it? In, is she's in the next... Didn't you say she's in Best Serve Cold? Or just their No, kid? she isn't. But in the new... The later trilogy, Age of Madness, their daughter, Savine Dan Glockta, oh. is the, one of the main characters. So, like, oh. already... once She's not a perspective, but she's mom to yeah. Savine, so she's around. Interesting. I like that. <laughs> Papa Glockta and Mommy Artie. I like it too. I love them so much. <laughs> I was so the majority sad. of the fan fiction is uh, Glockta and Artie. Yeah, look, I'm here for it. I like. I also think that's part of why I love this book so much. Is like, I just, oh, I just, I like, I want like a happy ending for Glockta. <laughs> Well, and because Giselle is like willfully deluded, he can be happy with Therese because Glockta had his chat with her and she's yeah. like, oh, she was a virgin. She loved me all along. And you're like, oh, I'm glad gosh, you're happy. Giselle. I'm glad one of you is happy. <laughs> yeah. That was painful to read. Well, because like you also, I mean, you do feel bad for like the way she's treating Giselle is like, it's a bit much. Yeah. Because he's like, I look, I didn't pick this either. Like, stop hitting me. Like, why are yeah. you being so mean? <laughs> I mean, she's pretty awful. <laughs> and he doesn't at all consider, like, having his way with her. He's just like, I guess I'll sleep on the couch even though I'm the yeah. king. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. no. Yeah. I kept yeah. on, like, waiting for Logan and Pharaoh to get together at the end. Like, for them to, like, find each other. No. And I was like, I knew that it wasn't going to happen. But I was, like, waiting for something in that. <laughs> oh, but, like, this isn't my friend. Uh, he desires fan fiction about Giselle and Logan because like and he uh. invented the hashtag bro kings forever because they're both kings by the end and like there's that moment when Logan is like having his like a little existential crisis and he asks Giselle do you think I'm a good, good man? man and he's like you're the best you're man the that best I know, man I know. <laughs> yeah, so cute so funny yeah they're that's cute I love that the last scene of Logan, like coming, like he's jumping out a window. Yeah, <laughs> like, of course he is. Oh my like, gosh, over a cliff, right where we started. Off a cliff, and like so again, like he had these micro changes, and he made realizations. Like he's more self-aware in the last book, but that, but the mm-hmm. thing is, is he's realized that too much has happened that it doesn't really change like how he exists in the world. So even though he's self-aware and understands himself and understands like the things that he wants and needs and all that, it doesn't matter. Because too much has happened in, like, in his Which, life. Which, I mean, honestly, like, yeah. it's not really more self-aware than he was in the first book. Because in the first book, he's already thinking to himself about how, like, he's a violent man. And, like, he doesn't really have anything anymore. And it's just, he's getting what he deserves. Like, he already thinks that in book one. It's not like he came to that realization. What's more interesting, I think, to me is that he thinks to himself how much more how nice it was to be on a quest with people who didn't know no, the bloody yeah. nine. Mm-hmm. And how, like, he could be not himself but like he could be not burdened by that past and then he goes home to the north to be with his people and he cannot be anything but the bloody nine right right and it's interesting too because i was expecting like a different reunion with the northman like with his like group because Mm -hmm. i think in the first one because he thinks they're dead 
you kind of get this idealized version of who they were together. And I think Logan still carries a little bit of that into the into his perspective, even as we get to know the Northmen. And then when he gets together with them again, it's like, oh, it wasn't all like, <laughs> like yeah. brotherhood. That you think it is that he actually just was the leader because he was fucking scary. Like, that's well, I, mean, really it. I mean, we do learn from him and from them early on that, like, they came to be part of his, like, crew because they failed to defeat him in the circle. Right. So, like, he right. had, like, not killed them. And that's why they are now together. But for some reason, like, even though we know that, I thought that there was, like, this brotherhood because he thinks of them so fondly. Like, still... And then, like, you get back, and I'm like, oh, they don't all love him. Like, I don't know what yeah. to me, like, reading this the first time. That Which is kind of, of like Giselle's, Giselle and Artie, you know? It's kind of the yeah. same thing. Yeah. But, I mean, they yeah. do, they are pretty excited to see him, though, because they thought he was dead. So I, I love do love that. that moment when he pulls him, he's like, guess who I have here? And he's like, Dogman's <laughs> like, can, can, does this, can this wait? He's like, I don't think it can. <laughs> <laughs> that is fun. And, again, that feels like such a real moment of what you would do if, like, your buddy came back. <laughs> Guess who isn't dead? (laughs) And I mean, I love all of the moments just in general throughout the books when somebody either talks about the Bloody Nine and Logan doesn't tell him that that's who he is and they don't realize it and he just like lets them not realize it. Or alternatively, when they're talking about the Bloody Nine and they do realize that that's who he is because he's like, you know, here's my hand with the missing finger and they're like, oh. And I love that we don't know that for most of the first book. Like, I love that we, and I, I, it would be fun to do a reread again, like knowing that. Because it's like, we don't. It really is fun know. to do it a reread. Fun to do a reread. <laughs> <laughs> because that whole first book, like, Logan was so different to me. Because, like, you don't know that about him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that he has, like, a dark past, and, like, you know, but you don't know what the Bloody Nine is. Yeah. Like, you don't know what that means until the end. And, and it so it's like. It's like a trick, but it like it's not one that I'm pissed about because it allows the reader yes. to fall in love with the character of Logan before you see it. And then by the time you see it, yeah. that's bad. But like, I already like him. So yeah. it's fine. <laughs> it's a bad guys. The first <laughs> then, like, book is, is really fun sense. to reread. Like, because there are so yeah. many clues and, re- and like little, like little things that you're like, oh, like there's so much there. It's, it's, it's fun. Because, I mean, for a book that seems meandering and plotless, it's just, like, bursting with references and foreshadowing and, like, clues and... Yeah. 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 I bumped up my rating on book one when I reread it. It's all five stars to me. (laughs) Yes! That's the answer we want. (laughs) Yeah. I just... From the very beginning, like... I got I would get so excited every time I would finish a scene like I, I just really love that he like as a story like storytelling wise like he just rewards his readers not in like the usual way like not in like the usual payoffs not that, like, in a I marvel way mm-hmm. not in a marvel way yeah like not in the captain marvel way where she like stands up at the end and, like, you know but it's like, also it's not way- even like the gimmicky kind of marvel where you're like oh like it all came together and everything is like connected and you're like that's fun but like that's not what he's doing. <laughs> no, it's like just like this pa- like you have to be a little bit patient in that first book to like mm-hmm. see what's going on. And then when I got to like the end like again it's like the end of every book, like the end of the first one where he like gathers all these people for this quest and none of them want to go on it. And in the end of the second one where they're going on a journey and then like the thing that they're looking for, that whole book isn't yeah. there. Like, I just yeah. like 
I love the fact that the thing was actually where they started. Yes. Yes. Like it's not just characters. Yes. It's not just characters that end up where they started. <laughs> yeah. But like the thing, like, so Farrah finds it and it's in the house of the maker. And it's interesting yes. also because like what they say about at the end of the world is, you know, if you want to hide a rock, hide it among a pile of rocks. Yeah. And they're like, okay, I mean, that's still true. Like that is, that's yes. what they did. And yeah. Farrell remembers that. And she's like, well, it was just a different pile of rocks. This is the pile of rocks in the house of the maker. Yeah. But also speaking of yeah. not being able to find it, like that comes back when they're interrogating uh, Longfoot. And he's like, we went there and there was nothing. So he's like, you went there and there was nothing? Like, we are going to believe that. And he's like, it's true, it's true. <laughs> yeah. And then like, if you think about like the third being this, like, again, like you think, like if you think about the third book in the Lord of the Rings, like, you know, the rightful king is in place. Like all of the lovers are together and like Frodo's a little sad, with the, like just a little messed up from it, but like everyone yeah. else. And like here at the end of this, like you think Giselle is like the long lost king, but he's not like, he's just mm -hmm. like this random guy. And at the end, he's not like even really put into power. And so it is, this, again, this kind of interesting commentary on like where yeah. you think Going to end up. Well, also, you like finally get a bunch of truth about all the stories that Baez has been telling about right. all of the different monarchs oh, and how Giselle yeah. should try to be like them. And then he's like, they were nincompoops. Like, they were all idiots. <laughs> I just told you what people thought about them because that's what you should aspire to have people think about you. But like, yeah. don't risk yourself in battle. <laughs> don't ever do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had, I wrote down like the quote of what he said, which I thought was interesting at that point where he was like, it's easy to find someone to lead a charge, not to lead a kingdom. Like, mm -hmm. like I can find anybody to like lead guys in a battle, but like I, I groomed you to lead the kingdoms. So that's what you're gonna do. Like I had yeah. options, and you did have a certain charisma, so I was like, mm -hmm. I can work with that because that you can't teach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, and I had totally forgotten mm -hmm. that the the maker's daughter comes back. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, this well, is why, yeah. like, when um, we were talking, when we were talking spoilers at the end of the episode on the blade itself, yeah. I was like, I had never picked up on the fact that when Glockta goes to the university and he goes and pulls that old book, that the one page that's missing is the one on Ptolemy. That yeah. page is gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, I had, I had noticed that, but like, I completely forgot that she actually shows up again at all mm -hmm. and i was like oh right like i had remembered that Baez killed her and that like... malika's kwai is not kwai for the majority of the trilogy yeah right yeah which is yeah. why again on a reread it's fun to notice when kwai starts to be a, a lot smarter mm -hmm. and then he right. i mean like if you know you're looking for it you'll notice it faster than Baez does but Baez also notices it eventually he's like you are doing a lot better in answering questions today than usual Mm -hmm. and then I like other people notice it as well where they're like he looks different he looks a little sinister hmm. well he starts like asking like leading questions like Baez tell us what really happened like at the end yeah. of two he starts to get more aggressive about like wanting to know and I wondered I was like is this like I, I, at first I thought like because he had gotten sick I was like did the sickness change him like you because you notice that change he's so much more aggressive and then obviously <laughs> that's not it <laughs> literally a different yeah. person yeah which is like when logan thinks to himself like man i should be sad Kwai is dead but 
I carried him all that way to save his life, but I just I just can't care about anything anymore. He also doesn't even know that he's been dead this whole time. He just knows that he's right. dead and he kind of assumes that he has died recently. And isn't that sad? Because no one clues Logan in on the fact that actually no. he died two books ago. <laughs> it's not been him for a long time. Yeah. But I do like Logan and Giselle's like romance <laughs> through the second book. Yeah. <laughs> or I guess it's, it's definitely a hate to love. It's yeah. like a dad. It's like a dad son kind of thing. It kind like, of is. Yeah. Or like, and um, again, like it's something that wrongful, isn't sustained yeah. in reality because they both have to go their separate ways. And like again, you know, it's like all of these things that I was like hoping. But Giselle still thinks well of Logan, even though he's like royalty now. He doesn't revert to thinking of him as like a dumb barbarian. He's like, you're the best man that I like. If he could appoint yeah. him Lord Marshal, he would have. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't even talked about Pharaoh at all. Everyone always forgets about Pharaoh. <laughs> I sh- uh, yeah, I guess I just like don't find her that interesting. We do, we did talk about her like finding the um the seed. Yeah, and I mean her tenacity and like yeah. wanting revenge, and she's the only one that questions Baez and follows him and is like, I don't care. Yeah, you owe me. And the way that like sh- it's through her for the most part that we get glimpses into anything that is uh, like supernatural about this world. Mm. She's like the only POV character that gives us that. Yeah. I will say my one of my favorite scenes in the third book is when they announce that Giselle is the king and the, you can hear a voice laughing and it's Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah. And even Giselle, when he hears it, is like, that's kind of my reaction. You yeah. shouldn't be laughing, but also like, I kind of want to laugh too. Because <laughs> I was laughing as well. Like I, I was like, yeah. Because that whole scene is sort of ridiculous. Yeah. And I love it. I love that scene and that she's yeah. laughing. And that also, she just makes Pharaoh kidnapping. Yeah. Pharaoh kidnapping and questioning Glockta. Oh, yeah. That was... Beans, yeah. Well, and I think it's especially interesting because it's, like, right after these other people... Like, other people are, like, totally incompetent. Yeah. Like, go Pharaoh. That's hard. Like, it's hard to outsmart Glockta. We haven't really talked about Baez finally telling Glockta how it is. The way of the world. Right. And that he would like him to be in charge. And though he's like, you know, you fumbled so close to the truth this whole time. You almost got it. I'm like, yeah. everyone else is a complete idiot. It's again, it's like, and it's that mundane answer. Like, I've just, you know, it's money. It's been me the whole time. I'm in charge. Yep. And when he's goes- like, I love when Baez is like, you know, for such a miserable life, you certainly fight hard to keep it. And Glock is like, I don't want to live. I just don't want to lose. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> The fact that I, I was like, oh, I identify with that. And I was like, wait a minute. That's not a healthy. <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of like, I, I said this before that like the books, like the grim dark of these books is the truths you learn about yourself along the way. <laughs> You're like, oh, I really love that torture. I There was a point though when I was reading book three, right? Totally. And I was like, I'm getting a little bit tired of the torture. <laughs> Just a smidge. A little too much. A little bit. There was like parts of it that I was like, But also right. like. Speaking of like heartbreaking moments, it genuinely broke my heart that both Severard and Frost betrayed Glockta. Yeah. yeah. I was like, both? Both. But I mean, I love that Brother Longfoot got to go free because like he's ridiculous and annoying, but I was like, so funny when he does the like do you understand? And he's like, yes. And he starts giving like a 10 word answer. He's like, no, no, no. No. (laughs) Uh, Do you see what you did wrong there? I was looking for a yes or a no. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of it that's just really funny. No, it was it was fun. I think on a reread it was interesting because I could see 
all of the moments where Baez is is like putting pieces together and preparing to make Giselle king because like i don't i didn't know that was where it was going How could the you? first time i read it did you and heather i'm curious like if you picked up on that or not yeah I mean, in the second book i was like he's clearly preparing him for something mm -hmm. and so i figured he would become some kind of king i didn't realize it but again it like happened in a lot more mundane way than i than it happened than than I thought it would. Like yeah. I thought it was going to be like a return of the king kind of here's the king moment. And the fact that he was like actually just like this pawn was like yeah. what was the surprising part. But I could tell in book two that the, he was preparing him for something. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> but again, just like how it happened and how. Yeah. He well, also, I mean, even in like book three, when he's like Giselle, you know, stops to help some peasant. And he's like, I, I, I guess I've committed to helping now because I said something. Okay, I'm helping. And then Bias is like, this is Giselle Dan Luther. And he's blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you can find him at this address and follow him on the social needs. And he's like, why are you telling everybody my name? I was like, that's a little on the nose, Bias. That's a little. <laughs> but also, I think it's hard to realize that that's what's happened, even though it does tell you, like, it's, it's clear, like, if you're paying attention mm -hmm. that the entire peasant uprising is invented by bias yeah yeah which like i think like when you're it kind of flies by and it's right. only really like when giselle's like what wait why are you immediately giving into negotiations and then like as i pointed out before like anytime someone has two different color eyes it's your result for and the fact that giselle notices that the leader of the peasant uprising has two different color eyes yep. and you've heard bias talk to your cell and be like are you taking care of like the thing and he's like yep i'm on it yeah <laughs> so, and that's like, why he just immediately yeah, is like eh, okay i didn't even know that see this is why i need to read them again <laughs> Yeah, so well, like, and I didn't notice that the first time, but this time I did. I was like, oh, Baez, like, did that whole, like, just made that happen for, like, PR reasons. Well, basically. also later, so we, Glock just sees, um, what's his name, Morovia, in pieces all over his office. Meanwhile, Morovia is with Giselle defending the city because it's mm -hmm. your result for, because Giselle notices that Morovia, now that he's up close to him, has two different color eyes. <laughs> Wow, I like didn't even know that. I'll notice that. I'm just, yeah, so rereading it. <laughs> yeah, because he's an eater, a shape changer, and he works yeah. for Bias because Bias doesn't care. He has you no know, this like holy war there's between just, him and the guy who's in so charge of many, eaters. Like little details that if you reread them, I feel like you just pick up on more stuff. Yeah, it's so interesting. So it's almost as if then that like the idea of the first law trilogy, it's like ironic because he doesn't even listen. No one listens to the first like all of those right anyway. right well i mean bias like i had forgotten that he actually says this because i asked Abercrombie like why it was called the first law trilogy because the mm -hmm. first law is that you know all magic comes from the other side but you can't touch the other side or whatever but i had forgotten that there's literally like at the end of last argument of kings bias outright says the first law is my law whatever i say yeah is what yeah. is correct it doesn't matter about anything else yeah yeah and that is what the whole trilogy is about <laughs> yeah. 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 So that he told us in the first book. He did. <laughs> By the very title of the trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Genius, Abrahami. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's like little things. I know I mentioned this, but on an earlier episode, but Heather, like the the fact that like in the blade itself, when you first see Baez, he's dressed as a butcher. <laughs> <laughs> like the first scene. Yeah, when Logan goes into the little like 
yeah. the little home area behind the gate and he sees this old wise man with a yeah. long beard and he's like well now you look like the first of the magi he's like what no i'm not the first of the magi it's that guy over there and he's like wearing a leather apron covered in blood because he's a butcher <laughs> see i need to now i need to like go back and, <laughs> yep. yeah yep. all these things yeah <laughs> <sighs> there's That's so much amazing. foreshadowing like everywhere <laughs> Yeah. Well, and the fact that, I mean, when Logan gets pissed, because he's learned that Bethod gave him up for Baez, because Baez was like, I, my payment is going to be that you spare the life of Logan Ninefingers. And he's like, you never told me. And he's like, you, my boy, literally didn't want to know. Yeah. You were yeah. happy in your ignorance. Like, you yep. had your chance, and you didn't want to know. Yep. Yeah. It it is. Is. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's the thing, is for me, the like individually, I don't know that these books are like five stars for me, but as a trilogy, it 100% is. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely, it, like, I mean, in theory, any trilogy is three parts of a whole, but some are feel more so than others. Like yeah. some feels like they stand on each on their own a little bit more, whereas this trilogy really does feel like one story that's split it into does. parts. Yeah. Like I often have difficulty because I reread them so much and then I usually read them pretty back to back. I, I to this day have trouble remembering exactly like the events that are like nearer the ends and beginnings of books, like exactly which one it's in. Yeah. Like Giselle helping the peasant girl when they get back. I'm like, is that the end of before they were hanged or the beginning of Lazar Human Kings? <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. I just be curious. I will I can't well, I, unless you want me to confirm or deny, but I'd be curious to know who among these characters you either expect to see or most want to see in the later books. Glockta and Artie. <laughs> well, you know they're going to be in it. So I know, cheating. which I'm very happy about because I love them. They're great. They're my favorite. I love them. I will say so reading, because he does like drawing from existing stuff all the time, just because it, it always makes a scene more interesting if there's somebody mm -hmm. that you know. It's yeah. like, why not draw from that well when you have it? But there are definitely characters that like rereading the trilogy there's just literally no reason you'd have paid that much attention to them if you're only reading the trilogy. But because like they're, they or their descendants become very, very relevant in later books that like now the name is a name that you know. So that when it pops up, you're like, oh, that's like, that's his dad. Like that's, oh. Mm -hmm. So it's fun to go back and reread once you've read everything because you're like all these like little characters that you're like, oh, and he's going to use you later for the thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Well, um, I think we're like running, running out of time on this. So I can go for like <laughs> 10 more hours. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But it's, it's been fun rereading it. And like, I, and I'm excited to get to new material and mm -hmm. finally read stuff I haven't read yet. I think it'll be good. Shivers. Yeah. So for anybody following along with us, we are taking a month off of the read-along and then we will be back in may with best serve cold correct is that that's the next one yeah so we'll be reading best serve cold in may if you're following along with us and then we'll do the standalones take a month off and then do the 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 final trilogy so it should be fun so it is time for on my radar where we're going to share recent and upcoming book releases in science fiction fantasy and romance we're excited about books for today's episode will be released between march 22nd and april 4th 2022 with the exception of any guest recommendations anything recent or upcoming is fine but first if you enjoy the podcast we'd appreciate if you take a moment to rate and review us so we can continue to reach more listeners and if you're interested in getting early access to episodes and exclusive bonus content with every episode consider supporting us on patreon huge thanks to all of our supporting patrons including our world expanding patrons trina and sarah you all make what we do possible and we appreciate 
all of your support. I've got uh, three books this week I want to talk about, and I think everybody's got some things. Uh, Lena's got one. Heather's, I think, got some. But all three of the ones I want to mention are coming out March 22nd. The first one is The Bone Orchard by Sarah A. Mueller. I read this one, and it is very interesting. It is this debut novel that is such a genre mashup. It's like a sci-fantasy horror murder mystery sort of thing that is really interesting, a bit dark, but is tackling some big issues like the treatment of sex workers, among other things. So it's a really interesting book. And I feel like I don't know. I'm curious to see like how what people think of it. So it's coming out March 22nd. I really liked it. It like totally sucked me in by the end. There's a lot of like political machinations and and stuff. So it's interesting. Also coming out on the 22nd is The City of Dusk by Tara Sim. This one I'm curious about. She's written YA fantasy before, and this is her adult fantasy debut. It says it's set in a gorgeous world of bone and shadow magic, vengeful gods, and defiant chosen ones. The first in a dark epic fantasy trilogy following four heirs of four noble houses, each gifted with a divine power as they form a tenuous alliance to keep their kingdom from descending into a realm-shattering war. So it sounds promising. I'm curious to see how that one is. And then lastly, I've got a romance coming out that day. Savvy Sheldon Feels Good as Hell by Taj McCoy. This one looks really fun. It's a delicious debut rom-com about a plus-size sweetheart who gets a full-life makeover after a brittle breakup. And it looks adorable. So those are the three I'm excited about. Anybody else? Yeah. It was actually like last week. There are two books that came out. One was Saba Tahir's new book, All My Rage. And it's about, like, I think it's a young teen romance, but it's also about um, what it's like being a Pakistani immigrant. And I think that it's, part of it takes place back in Pakistan too. Um, and it sounds really interesting. And then Tessa Bailey has a new one called Hook, Line, and Sinker. And it's supposed to be like a romance slash mystery when that one sounds <laughs> really fun and then the third one comes out this tuesday it's called blood scion and it's like a new ya fantasy by a black author deborah but that one looks really fun it's like a fun ya fantasy with magic and stuff so i'm excited about that one awesome uh, mine comes out april 5th and that is sense and second degree murder by Teresa price which is the second in a series of like jane austen murder mysteries where retelling the, i read pride and premeditation and it does like sort of what if pride and prejudice was instead about like lizzie being wanting to be a barrister and solving a murder <laughs> um and darcy is from a competing firm <laughs> but in like the regency <laughs> yeah so <laughs> sense and second degree murder will i guess follow in those footsteps but be sense and sensibility oh, that's fun. so nice that sounds fun so as always, all of those books, if you're looking for them, will be linked in the show notes or in the video description if you are watching us on YouTube. Thanks, Heather, for joining us. It was fun having you yes, for, you for having our me. chat. This yeah, this was great. And uh, if you want to check out Heather's Instagram, it'll be linked again in the video description or the show notes. This has been Chapter 3 Podcast, and uh, Leanna and I are your hosts. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Chapter 3 Podcast. And you can also find us on our individual YouTube channels, which are always linked below. The next episode will be available in two weeks, and uh, this episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next few days. Thanks for listening.